Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Monsters Who Murder: Serial Killer Confessions. With Amanda Howard and Robert McKnight. Hello there. Welcome to Monsters Who Murder. Yes, we're going to have some serial killer confessions as we talk to none other than the serial killer whisperer, Amanda Howard. Hello, Amanda. Hello, Robert. I always <laughs> come into this expecting now, how's he going to do the introductions this week? And it's always different. It's always the same thing, but it's always different. And I absolutely love it. It, just, it gets me into the right mood. Well... I get bored. I have ADHD, so, you <laughs> yes. know, like I don't like to do things the same way every time. So uh, uh, it's, been a, it's been a big week. We've announced the fact that Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions, is set to become a video event from uh, later in the year when I launch yes. my new streaming service, Live Plus, and everyone will be able to watch the Serial Killer's Confessions with video, look at yes. their eyes. Oh, look at what's wait. going on. It's we've got a we've got a very special show planned that will be going on to this new streaming service. If you Google Rob McKnight and Live Plus, you can find out all about that. Or you can but, Google me too, guys, and it comes up as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you're part yeah, of it too. I yeah, am part of it too. Yeah. It's scary though, guys. It's going to be terrifying. Robert will be my boss, so I can't call him all the names and have fights with him now. So because he'll he'll be the boss, he just won't be the talent anymore. So, am I not appearing on the show? No, but you'll be the boss as well, so I can't tell you to go and stick at places and everything. I have to be nice. No. Oh, right. Got you. It's just you, you said he won't be the talent. Some would say I never had the talent. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's coming soon. Uh, we're still in the process of raising the final um, yeah, capital, but it's a very exciting venture. It's something very different in the streaming space, and Monsters Who Murder will be part of that. Anyway, Amanda, the Speed Freak Killers is coming up. What do we need to know about part three, our final part on the Speed Freak Killers? Yeah, I can't believe that we actually have a part three to this. I was quite surprised. As I said when I first wrote the first notes on this, I thought we didn't have enough to fill one episode and now we're at episode three yeah. in this case. But there's so many twists and turns and the nuances that happen and there's a lot that we don't hear which makes a lot of the story that we do hear quite questionable. So I'm really looking forward to these final twists and turns. Indeed, me too. Well, that's coming up shortly. In the meantime, let's get into the news. And a killer who evaded police for 20 years was caught after an appearance on a TV show. The Sun reports a new doco on the Pembrokeshire murders reveals investigators got the vital clue they needed when John Cooper appeared on the UK dart show Bullseye. The appearance happened around the time of the second murders. Cooper told Jim Bowen how he loved living in the area and even mentioned the spot where the Dixons would later die. Amanda, first up, tell me about these murders. 
So this is a set of double murders. So there's two lots of two killings. So the first one was in 1985, and that was Richard and Helen, his sister. Um, they were farmers, um, and they were in the village of Scoverton. Now, they were murdered in 1985, as I said, and then he appeared on the TV show, and then in June 1989, he killed Peter Dixon and his wife, Gwenda, um, that were for Oxfordshire. So they were sort of in the area at the time, and they were both killed in similar ways. And now, Gwenda was actually sexually assaulted as well. Um, both of them, both sets were tied up and uh, there was some thefts as well. So uh, they were able to sort of get an eyewitness account of someone seeing a scruffy, bushy-haired stranger and it seemed to be that it linked up with this man who appeared on TV around the same time. Now, it's really interesting because he got away with it for 20 years until a review happened in 2005. The fact he'd gotten away with it, he hadn't been caught, then this review happens, they find a vital clue with an appearance he made. Um, He must have felt like the unluckiest serial killer on the planet. Well, I mean, there's so many that we've had that have gone sort of dormant for quite a while, like the Golden State Killer, Zodak and things like that, that we get to a point that it's either we have to break the case or the police have to break the case or the case goes cold completely and they close it down. Now, with um, BTK, when they closed the case down, he started to respond again and that's how they were able to catch him. So this guy was probably freaking out knowing that he is now back in the forefront because it, it ended up appearing on Crime Watch or one of the UK's. crime shows and you know people were able to come forward and say actually that looks like my friend and you know it was Cooper at the time so he was able to be um, fingered for this case once again so it's interesting that these killers can never rest easy because they're going to be caught again but unfortunately they do get to live their lives whereas their victims did not and that's the hardest part because we've seen killers like Samuel Little who just died um, last week Uh, he has gone his entire life he has been in and out of prison but he's died before all of these new cases can come to court so you know sometimes they beat the executioner sometimes the executioner gets them but this is a case now that we have another killer who's been who's about to be brought to justice purely because of um, going back and reinvesting these cold cases. And the thing we say on this podcast is when it comes to serial killers, we love a good fingering. <laughs> you finally got that in. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I do you that joke every God. week. As soon as Amanda says fingering, <laughs> you, uh, I, I just do it. Anyway, we're at episode 99. People know my humour by now. <laughs> Look, uh, Britain's most prolific female murderer, serving 10 life sentences, has told Powell she wants to move on from her evil past. The Sun reports Rose West has ditched her infamous name and now wants to be known as Jennifer Jones. Prison officials and fellow inmates have been ordered to show respect to the serial killer by using the new name. But Amanda, the order has sparked anger among many at the New Hall Women's Jail. Yeah, they don't believe that she has the um, audacity to actually create this new fiasco for them by demanding that she be called Jennifer instead of Rose. I mean, a Rose by any other name, you know, we can go to there. It's still a killer. Yeah, it's still a killer. (laughs) I knew you'd have an ending for that. And so it's quite interesting that she thinks that she can uh, wash this all away with a change of name. She's still a violent killer. She is still a heinous sexual predator. And the fact that other people are being told that they have to speak to her and use this new name it's just a lot of hogwash really and it's not fair to the others who sort of uh, uh, remain under their own names and they don't get these special privileges that Rose West continues to get. But she has changed her name by deed poll look I've got to say this doesn't bother me in the slightest you know like 
she's a horrible woman. She spent a lot of time in jail. I do understand that you can't take it back. You've, you, she's probably too old to even have those thoughts of killing more people. I don't know. I, I don't know what her state of mind is. But the idea that everyone who comes into the prison, they go, that's Rose West. You know, like it's a name. It's infamous. If she's Jennifer Jones... Yes, most people are going to know, but it might just be one person who doesn't know who she is. I don't know. It just doesn't bother me in the slightest. They shouldn't be getting these privileges. So that's her name. Changing it is not going to change her history, as you said, but it's also not going to change her future. If she thinks that by changing her name she's suddenly not Rose West and so she can be separated from those heinous crimes, it's not going to work. So I don't understand why taxpayers are paying for her to go through all of this when it's not going to change anything. But at the same time, it's giving her a privilege and a opportunity to be a um, anonymous person in prison. What, what kind of prisoner is she in jail? Does she cause trouble? Does she try to yes. do the right thing? Yes, she uh, does a lot of um, claims against uh, inhumane treatment in prison. She wanted a lower floor cell because she didn't like going up the stairs, but they also knew that she wanted a lower floor cell because she wanted to escape. Um, she's had sexual relations with several people in the prison. She's um, had issues with people like uh, Joanne Dennehy, the other serial killer that was in prison. So much. Yeah, but so she was targeted. Was she wasn't perpetrating that. No, well, it doesn't matter. She's she's still a horrible person, and she's inciting things like this, and and she's trying to um, portray outside of the prison that she's this little old granny who knits uh, blankets for people and learn crocheting and all that, and bakes cakes and things like that, but. She shouldn't be living her best life, and she seems to be, and now she's now Jennifer Jones, who I think is a, a superhero or something. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I think it's uh, Jennifer Jones is is a in the Marvel yeah. universe, oh, yes, I'm yes. pretty sure. Yeah, but, um, you know, at the same time, I think that she just should have to wear that burden of being Rosemary West. Mm. Well, look, a convicted serial killer and rapist is now awaiting another sentencing after evading police as a working truck driver for nearly 30 years. Mark Douglas Burns, who's almost 70, was arrested nearly two decades after he committed his last crime. But this is not the first time Burns has had a run-in with the law. Back in 1974, he was sentenced to death by a lethal gas chamber. The 1974 death sentence was initially assigned for the rape of a woman in a McDonald's restroom in North Carolina. But a judge soon vacated the death sentence, leaving Burns with a 25 to 30 year sentence with the possibility of parole after only six and a half years, which Burns was able to secure, leaving him free to commit more crimes in the years to come. Amanda, the justice system at work. Yeah, so we go from a death sentence to six and a half years to you're out to become a serial killer once That's more. extraordinary. That, just... I mean, really, death sentence, 25 to 30 years, and as you say, you're out in six months. How the hell does that happen? Well, this is why we need to actually look at the entire criminal justice system across the world and, and not just the US because how can you go from a death sentence to six and a half years? Yes, it was six and a half years after he'd served like 14 or something. So it end, end up being And apologies, I said six, six months, it was six and a half years, my apologies. 
Yeah, well, it's still, you know, this guy was meant to come out of prison feet first and instead he's let out when he's still a young man and able to continue killing. And we're getting to a point now, and this is something that I'm finding really interesting. We've always been told that serial killers never stop killing. They either go to prison or they die. They never stop killing. Now, we know that BTK killed for a little longer than we originally assumed, but he was found to have stopped killing. Here's another guy. His last murder was 30 years ago. He hasn't been in prison, but he stopped. So this is a new area of research that we have. You know, uh, Golden State Killer, he stopped killing. We need to work out why they stopped killing. What's that moment? Is it because they get old and frail? Do they have a scare where um, they go into a house and the person that attacks them is stronger than they are and they realise that they can't protect themselves anymore and they're likely to be caught? Is that mm. what? We need to now look at that. And so this is going to be another area of research I'm going to take on like I'm not doing enough as it is. That, but that but is a fascinating it, it question is. because... Yes, they do stop. Mm-hmm. And so he's a serial killer and he stopped 30 years ago. As far as we're aware, of course, we yeah. have the people like Samuel Little, who I, I just mentioned in the last news story, who um, who killed for many, 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 many years. But he did stop eventually. But we have to look at why these killers are stopping because we're finding these cold cases. We're linking the cold cases together. Then we're capturing the killers. I mean, the police and everyone involved. I, I say we as a collective because I think we all have a buy into the, this sort of stuff that we want to see them um, caught for these crimes. So, but we need to understand now how they're stopping and why they're stopping. So mm. if that compulsion wanes, is that to do with um, sexual prowess? Um, men like w- women, we get to a point that, you know, we sort of stop that sort of uh, sexual appetite that we did when we are younger. Is that what's happening? Are these men becoming impotent? You know, there's all these different stories that we have to actually put into this and find out why these people stop killing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, if you want more insights like that and plenty more from the Serial Killer Whisperer, don't forget to subscribe to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mwmconfessions. For as little as $5 a month, you can get early access to new episodes and the complete back catalogue. $10 will get you access to the Serial Killer Whisperer by a special secret Facebook page. $20 will get you monthly group chats. And $50 will get you one-on-one chats with Amanda. In the meantime, let's take a break. On the other side, we will continue our profile on the Speed Freak Killers. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Shocking celebrity secrets. Justin Bieber's word against mine. Backstage drama. All of a sudden, Dolly Parton walks into the room. And controversial opinions. I'm not saying she's been approached. I'm saying this is what I'm hearing is the crunching options. TV Black Box, the podcast where people who've worked in the TV industry spill their juiciest stories. Julie used to like to drink on set. TV Black Box, available in your favourite podcast feed. We now continue with part three of our profile on the Speed Freak Killers. Wesley Shermantine and Lauren Herzog were convicted in 2001 over the deaths of four people, though police estimate they may have killed more than 70 people between 1984 and 1999. 
Today, we have one final interview with Herzog on March 21, 1999, two days after the last interview. He looks completely dishevelled, he has a faraway look, his hair is a mess, and he's in prison garb. This time, he's being interviewed by Detective Cliff Johnson, and finally, we hear him being read his Miranda rights. Let me get this out because I told you I was going to have to read these right to you. Yeah, I still don't understand them, but go ahead. No, I'll read, you. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll read to you and I'll, I'll go through each one so you understand. Okay, so there's no confusion. I, I never understand, so. Okay. okay, you have a right to remain silent. Okay, you understand that one? That's kind of like what you were just explaining to me. Probably is that you're not, I mean, you have the right to not say nothing, period. Okay, you can drink your soda and they say nothing whatsoever. Yeah, it more hurt me than anything else. Will it hurt you? I don't know. Because, again, I don't know what you have to say. Okay. And the next one is anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. So that explains to you that everything we discuss here, okay, could be used against you in court. Okay. That says can and will be used against you. It will be used against you. Can be used against you. Okay. You have the right to talk to a lawyer, have him or her present with you while you're being questioned. So if you want to say, hey, I want a lawyer, you're not going to get one until Monday, until unless you can afford one to come in right now, but we're not going to talk to you. Okay. And when, I mean, then we won't talk to you at all. If you have to hire one, a lawyer, one will be appointed to represent you before any question if you wish. And that's, again, where if you can't afford one, then one's going to be given to you come Monday in regards to Cindy's case, okay? And then if and when you guys decide to talk with us, you and your lawyer, then you can, or you won't, one of those two things. Do you understand each of these rights I've explained to you? Yes, no, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> don't, want to, don't want to drown you now. This is weird. Has he been read his rights before? Well, from his confused answers, I doubt it, you know, which makes everything he set up until this point meaningless. So I would assume that they would have, but it doesn't sound like that they have. And as we know, his case actually gets thrown out. So um, Although there was a line in there where he said, I didn't understand them, which made me feel maybe they have read them before, but he really didn't understand his rights. I think it's more that everyone knows what the rights are and they just sort of don't understand what they mean. And Right. I mean... This guy isn't as dumb as they're trying to make out him to be. He's actually quite intelligent, though. I think the, the seems the pretty dumb alcohol. there. Yeah, I know, but I think you also have to play that. You know, he didn't understand his right to remain silent. Um, mm. You know, and this is what everyone needs to know. If you get arrested, the cops are not your friends. Do not say a word. Ask for a lawyer. Say nothing. Yes, well, <laughs> advice for future serial killers. Hey, look, the officers turned their attentions to two more murders, those of Paul Kavanagh and Howard King. Now, they disappeared in November 1984. Again, this interview is cut into small pieces and we are actually missing a lot of what's said, but have a listen. What can you tell me about that? I don't know what I should tell you about that. So he goes up to the driver's side and shoots. You know how many times? Then what happens? I don't remember much after that. Okay, busy. How many people were in the car? You said two, I think, right? I think there was. Probably should have remained silent. I don't know. 
I mean, you, like I said, you, like I told you, I mean, we already know what happened. Okay. Now it's your version. I mean, are you happy about this? No way. Were you happy about it then? No. Uh, let me ask you this. What kept you 12 years ago? Is that one? 13 years ago? Yeah. What kept you from going to the police at that point in time and saying, look, my friend's a psycho. Here's what he just did. The psycho himself. Because you're concerned what, for your own safety? Hell yeah. I understand that. Okay. Other people understand that too. Okay. That's kind of what I talked to you about before, that if people don't know what motivates you or what keeps you from doing things, they ain't never gonna know. Because all they're gonna hear about is from West Side saying, this is what we did, and it ain't nothing about, this is what just I did, is what we did, my homeboy and me. See my picture of my homeboy, you know. Do we have to keep talking? Well, I'd like to. <laughs> I know you don't want to, but. I don't. I really don't. Well, that's your, I mean, that's your, your choice. That's, I mean, if you want to talk more, that's we can, we can stop. Like I said, you know, after, I mean, once you go in tomorrow, whether or not we'll be able to talk about anything anymore, I don't know. And there's just like, like you and I know, there's other stuff to talk about. We mentioned it to you the other day, okay? And if it's something that you have knowledge on, like I said, I, 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 we won't go into all the details. We won't, you, know, you just give me a little bit and I'll, I'll talk to the district attorney about it, about the, uh, about the Indian that was shot. You don't know nothing about that one? I don't know anything about anything else. You don't know about anything else? As, 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 even the limited amount of time I've dealt with you, I can read that face. <laughs> okay. Is that you don't know anything else, you just don't want to talk about anything else? Not one time. Herzog isn't giving much up now, is he? No, he's not. And he just keeps saying, you know, I, I have the right to remain silent. And he's actually claiming that he has no idea what they're even talking about. And at the end of that, he actually puts his head down on the table and just refuses to speak. So, you know, whatever had happened before, whatever the rapport the other two um, sheriff's officers had, it's gone now with, with this new officer. He's not talking to him. And no matter how chummy and, and, and using the local lexicon and things like that, um, Johnson is not going to get through to Herzog. And, mm. you know, he just keeps trying and he's laughing and joking with him and, you know, I'll see what deal I can do for you with the DA and all of this sort of stuff. But Herzog's saying no. Yeah. Look, we'll skip half an hour later. He's asked about another murder, that of Henry Howell in September 1984. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, we were there. Which one? The one with the Indian dude. You were there? What happened on that part? Well, he killed that guy. 
Why is he saying you did it? I don't know. Okay. Tell me. So I can fit his story and your story. Who are we going to believe? Well, we come down the road and he sees him do and lay on the side of the road kind of like you know, out of his car or something. Or his or something. We turn around. And Wes robbed him and killed him, too. The dude was so drunk that the dude would have never known nothing. Anyway, but Wes, he had to kill that dude. He's just too much, man. Kill somebody for 45 bucks. He killed somebody for less than no matter what, I hope you guys believe me because, I mean, he is like the clown, and that's this type of person you're dealing with. He is like the, he's a cold-blooded killer. Yes, sir. Has no emotions. You're a little cold-blooded killer, man. I don't know if you guys understand why I've been so scared of him so long. I understand that. I've been scared of him. I've told my wife that only one person in the world scares me. Time to lock his ass up, huh? Oh, he's sure. That's the Been done a long time ago. Yeah. Wish it would have been done a long time ago. I don't want to lose my I know. Like I told you before, it starts now. We're going to be putting him away. I want to see his on death row, honestly. You told me he did my help put him away. I know he did. You said trust him. Gotcha. And out of everybody I'm trusting you, Tony. I know that one. More than anybody. I'm right here. Joe's pretty cool. I'm trusting Joe, too. Both of you guys. I mean, I'm trusting you guys more than anybody. Yeah. His narrative is Sherman Tyne is evil and nothing else, really. Yeah, he just says, you know, he's a cold-blooded killer, you know, he's done all of this, I was involved in it and all of that, you know. This is basically a waste of time because mm. he doesn't want to talk to them, but they do keep going anyway because they know if they just keep chatting, he will respond because he is a talker, whereas Sherman just shut it down and said, that's it, done, I'm not speaking. Uh, but they know that with Herzog that they can actually just sort of have conversations and you get back to the point. Indeed. Well, look, next they ask about the murder of Robin Armtrout in September 1985. During September of 1985, do you know of any girls or anyone that Wes Sherman Tyne had killed during that period of time? That must be the one. And how do you know that? Because I can't think of any others. Well, my... I can't. Is this an assumption? Are you just assuming he killed her, or were you there, or did he tell you about it? No, there's a girl he killed. And how do you know that? I said, well, I was with him. That's what you need to tell me. Uh, I'm trying to. Okay. Uh, there again, my details aren't very nice. Give me what. Give me what you can. I don't remember how he picked her up or whatever. I just remember that he killed a girl and stabbed her to death. I don't know where he left her. Did you try to stop it? Martin, you need to talk. No. Did she ask you to help him? 
did, did Wes ask you to help him take care of the body afterwards? No. What happened to the body? I don't know. So, he's completely shut down. I'm going to ask you, what would you do here? You're the investigator. It's a new interview, new day. I think we said it was two days after the last interview we aired in the last episode. We're getting nowhere here with this tat. What do you do? Well, we know that he's in prison garb so and he's actually got leg irons on. So we sort of remind him that that's where he is going regardless because Shermantine has put him in for all of these as well. So he needs to actually get a better defence and his best defence is saying that he wasn't there, that Shermantine told him about it. He needs to remove mm-hmm. himself from the crimes. But he's not because uh, this officer is saying to him, yeah, but how do you know that? Were you there? You know, and he's actually saying yes that he was there and he he witnessed these things happening, and so he becomes an accessory, if not part of the killing as well, because people will minimise their own parts in crimes, so they do get a lot lesser sentence. But because he's actually shut down, they won't get much more out of him, and this is the issue, and this is why it's really hard with these cut up tapes. We don't know what they're saying in between these cuts mm. to make him start discussing them again because literally this one he has shut down. They need to bring back the others that know his family. They uh, Though they weren't great at what they were doing, they were doing better than this officer is because this guy is not building any rapport with him. He's trying, but Herzog is shut down. It's not happening. They need to get back to a place of magic, and that may mean bringing in at least one of the other officers on a different day and trying again. But because he's now got in his head his Miranda rights that I don't have to talk... That's playing with him and he realises... Was that a mistake really explaining the rights to him? Like, if they read them before, this guy was taking... He's like, so you don't have to speak if you don't want to. Like, as soon as I heard that, I went, well, when I hear it that way, I just wouldn't speak. And most wouldn't. And that's what he's doing. He's trying to not talk. Um, And so usually what happens is an officer will try and get a rise out of him. You know, well, you're going down anywhere. You're going to be raped in prison if if you don't tell us the truth and put Shermantine in for this. Shermantine shut down, first interview done. He, mm. he wasn't talking again. So they're playing off his accomplice, so to speak, to sort of make him give up everything he has. But he knows that he has culpability here. And so he knows that if he gives up, you know, one piece of it is they're going to get the whole jigsaw puzzle. So he can't give them even the small bits about Shermantine because Shermantine can corroborate a lot of that, but at the same time will put Herzog into it. So this interview isn't going anywhere and it really it just, it just falls apart. Yeah. Well, they do try one more time. Let's see what happens. First time that you saw Wesley Shermantine kill anybody was which case? Yeah, he... The Indian guy. The Indian guy. That was the first. Yeah. And the last? Last time? It was. Sitting better eye. Okay. Earlier you told me about your brain being mush. <laughs> right? Yeah, it feels like it. But you know where you're at, right? I'm in jail. You're in jail, and you're at where? What office is this? This is the sheriff's office. All right, this is the sheriff's office. You're aware of that. You know what you're booked in for? For murder. For which case? Cindy Van Hyde. All right. 
So you're aware of what's going on. Everything you've heard, all these, the other officers, stopping police officers and us, you understand what's going on here, is that correct? I, I believe so, yeah. Well, you say you believe. It's either yes or no. What don't you understand? Let me clear that up. I, I understand. All right. The rights that they read you yeah. earlier, you understood those, right? Yeah. Because we read it to you over and over again every time we've made contact with you. Right. And you understand those completely, correct, Lauren? Yeah. Have I been fair to you? Yeah, I'm saying that. Yeah. Has Joe been fair to you? Has yeah. the sheriff's office been fair to you? Yeah. Stockton Police Department, have they been fair to you? No, no, no. Oh, I, my voice always gets a little bit high. All right. But I just want to make sure that we have to be fair to you. And uh, you know what? We have to be fair to us, too. Have I been fair to you guys? Yes. This has been. Uh, quite an interesting pile of tapes because we don't have the full tapes. Now, these police enforcement departments don't owe us anything. No. We are going through the stuff that's put out in the public domain. Um, what is your thought about the release of portions of tapes? Obviously, you want all of them, but do you think it gives us a skewed view of what's going on if we don't have access to the full recordings? And should we absolutely, as a right to know, have access to the full recordings? Um, I think yes and no, and I wish we had more cases from like Australia and Great Britain purely because mm. they don't actually release a lot, lot of tapes. And when we do Australian cases, it's really hard to just get the small snippets that we can get from shows like 60 Minutes and things like that, um, and they're skewed as well. So I think not having the entire story, it's like reading every second page of a book. You're not going to get the full story, but you're going to get enough of it to sort of understand what's going on, but little else. You're going to misinterpretation. And as we just saw just then, the officer actually got combative at the end that Herzog basically told him, like, to calm his farm because mm. he was actually sort of getting that way and goes, oh, yeah, I usually do this. Could you imagine that guy going up against someone who is going to be really combative back? It's going to be a screaming match and you're not going to get anything out of that because some can give tip for tat. Herzog can't. But, you know, this guy was raring for a fight, hoping that he could make Herzog explode and make him sort of blurt out something. But instead it had the opposite effect. Herzog sort of sat back and went, mate, calm yourself like you know no one else has spoken to him like that and as we heard there they did say that they read him his rights every single time but listening to those final rights being read he he does sound confused and so there is a concern there because this final interview he is being more more obstructive this time he's not actually going to a place where he had with the other interviewers and this is why it's very um it's very tricky sometimes to sort of build that rapport. I mean, we saw in the Arias case, we had one officer that got everything out of her and the other one got nothing. And so we've had cases like that. And the first, the female sheriff that we had interviewing Herzog was one of these people who just liked to talk. But when he would go to respond, the tape would cut. And so we mm. need to know... Like why, as I said, it's like reading every second page of a book. You're going to get some of the story, but you're not going to understand most of it. And that's what we see. So when we try and um, interpret what's happening, uh, we don't know why he's so calm this time. We don't know if he's under the influence of something because we don't hear them asking those questions. We did right at the end there, the officer said, like, 
do you understand? And he goes, I believe so. And he goes, no, it's yes or no. You know, but previously I believe so would have been a suitable answer to the other officers. And, again, we have to remember Mm. that his cases were thrown out. And so it's really tricky to try and piece together what's truth, what's coerced, because we know that there was coercion. So where's, where's that proof? Where's the tapes that we need to see that proves that? To show, you know, basically 101 of um, interviewing killers what to do and what not to do because you don't want the case to be thrown out, but you do need to push. You know, we saw the David Mitchell case where the two officers, the sheriff and the FBI agent, were both sides of him poking him and, and attacking him because they had the answers because the victim survived. So when the victim has a voice, it makes it a very different interview because they've got the full story. But when we have uh, dead victims, we can only get one side of the story because no one else can, can sort of stand up and talk. So this is why they're trying to get Herzog to actually put it on Sherman time because then they do have a victim, so to speak, because he's an accomplice, he's not the killer. And that's what they've tried to do here because they knew that Herzog was the weaker of the two. But it's still, you know, there's just so much missing. Mm. Well, eventually both men were charged with murder. Sherman Tyne faced three joint murder charges in the deaths of Cindy van der Heiden, Howard King and Paul Kavanagh, with Sherman Tyne also facing a charge for the death of Chevy Wheeler. Herzog was also charged with the death of Robin Armtrout. Sherman Tyne was found guilty of all four charges and sentenced to death. Herzog was found guilty in the murders of van der Heiden, Kavanagh and King. He was acquitted of the Armtrout murder and was found guilty of being an accessory to the murder of Henry Howell. Herzog was sentenced to 78 years imprisonment, but there was an appeal, wasn't there, Amanda? Well, there was. Herzog appealed his case and three of the four confessions were found to have been coerced, as we've said all the way through this. And in the fourth murder charge, and that's the death of Sidney van der Hayden, which is how they were sort of arrested in the end anyway, um, it was to be sent back to trial. So they decided that it it required a new trial. Um, However, he struck a deal and he said that he would confess to a lesser charge of voluntary manslaughter. And so his sentence was actually commuted then to 14 years. And he'd already served six of those years, so he was released after serving only an additional five years because he had three years taken off for good behaviour and he was released in 2010. Yeah, but wasn't his release done under intense media scrutiny and and he was refused residential status in most of California. So he was housed in a trailer just outside one of California's prisons and then he hanged himself January 16, 2012. There are claims he took his life after learning that Shermantine was about to give up information on further murder cases, is that right? Yes, it is. So it's quite amazing that um, these killers are released and everyone says, not in my backyard. And that's a, a phenomenon that's happened throughout centuries, that people don't want these bad people in their backyards. And often it's the civil libertarians that come up and say, these people deserve to be released, but they're not going to live near me. And this is what happens. Mm. We've had, um, we had a pedophile here in Australia that was hounded out of so many states and areas and, and things like that because he he was such a notorious uh, predator that no one wanted them to have him near them. So this is what happened again with Herzog because they knew that there was more to this case than just these few murders that they were uh, found to have done. But what happened was that um, Herzog 
found out that um, Sherman Tom was actually about to dob him in for a lot more and he'd just been released. He'd been out of prison for two years by this point and Sherman Tom didn't believe that that was something that should, should have happened. And so uh, mm. uh, Sherman Tom actually told a bounty hunter about a well where there was possibly more victims being found. And so what happened was they actually went and, and, and did some digging and everything and we've got some news stories coming up about this and they actually found uh, some, some bones belonging to two teenagers that had disappeared and there was further bones found but it was a bit of a kerfuffle how all of this happened well it's funny you say that because in february 2012 shementine did begin talking here is kcra news in calaveras county now this includes a call from shementine as the fbi calls a halt to digging in an area of a well a site where shementine claims there are bodies KCRA3 exclusive, a serial killer's reaction from death row to the end of the FBI search for victims in a well near Linden. Speed free killer Wesley Shermantine says he tried to cooperate with the FBI, but they wouldn't listen. As KCRA3's Melinda Mesa shows us in this exclusive story, Shermantine now says he doesn't want anything to do with them anymore. CRA3 is the only television station to obtain this recording, a conversation between convicted killer Wes Shermantine and private investigator Rob Dick. Shermantine made the call from death row today after hearing the FBI is done digging in Linden. Shermantine says there are at least 10 bodies in another well that the FBI has not searched. Shermantine is adamant the FBI did not go where he pinpointed when investigators brought him out to Linden in August. Shermantine has sent several letters from behind bars on death row claiming the FBI is in the wrong spot. This letter was dated back in January. There's one over here on the road, there's one out here in the field, the one they dug. So he shows those locations. They're digging way over here. The FBI says they did not get hits on some of the areas Shermantine pointed out, but private investigator Rob Dick says he did. I mean, we went to the same areas with our own historical remains dog that detects decomposing bone, located good hits in locations everywhere where he said and then we contacted san joaquin uh, cold case detective took her out there her and her partner let the dog go and again she saw the exact same thing family members of victims now fear their loved ones will be lost for good if the fbi does not continue digging in san joaquin county melinda Meza, kcra three reports now, the FBI says it will continue searching if Shermantine gives them more specific information, something they say he has yet to do. Very interesting. Uh, but, Amanda, the bounty hunter in that interview claimed they were digging the wrong spot. Yeah, it sounds like a film. It really does, you know, that they're digging in the wrong place. And he actually holds up a map that Shermantine had done. And then we get the news chopper sort of circling overhead and it's a totally different area so it's very easy to say oh we've done a really good case and we can close the case because we found no bones in an area that wasn't even part of the dig so I mean it's just crazy that they would do that and they said well we're going to stop digging because we found nothing and go from there. I always find this extraordinary why investigators refuse to listen to people. 
It is because they, they don't want to be seen as incompetent when other cases come up. They want to say that they've dotted their I's and crossed their T's and it's done. It's cases like Ivan So Malach. it's not about justice? No, it's not about justice. It's about them coming up as incompetent because if they uh, are found to be um, fallible, then what happens then is that other killers can actually do um, appeals and and, conf- and say that their confessions were coerced and that someone else killed them and you need to go and dig here because you're going to find the yeah. evidence and it becomes a mad, 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 mad world. Yeah. But they were digging in other spots too and this is a new bulletin the following night where police were digging in a different area. The search for murder victims in Calaveras County and new at six new demands from the serial killer on death row. KCRA 3's Melinda Meza live near San Andreas tonight with the latest. Melinda. Well, we are live here on Leonard and Morrow Road. This is a remote area of Calaveras County that sheriff's investigators have been searching. Now, right over here, the sheriff's investigators have removed their roadblock for the first time. This road is the road that leads you to the former Sherman Time property, and it's where Sherman Time himself says more murder victims are located. Sheriff's investigators are once again searching this area near the former Sherman Tyne property. They are looking for more human remains believed to be victims of Lauren Herzog and West Sherman Tyne. His cadaver dog was getting hits all over the places from one mountaintop to another mountaintop. Eric Hammond allowed search dogs on his property. He said bounty hunter Leonard Padilla and his team got several hits here. Padilla says he received a new letter from Sherman Tyne saying there are more victims out here. It reads, I will make a map to both as soon as our deal is kept. I have proven I am telling the truth all the way. Now it's your turn. He is asking Padilla to pay his restitution of $18,000 plus money on his books. They don't need to pay him for something that they can find easy. They're right on the, on, on the trail. All they need to do is follow it. Okay. Now, we have talked to Padilla, and he says that he has agreed to pay that restitution, among other things. Now, he already has sent a $2,000 check to Sherman Tyne. Now, he says red tape has stopped him from putting more money on his books. Money on his books would allow him to buy personal items and snacks as he sits on death row in San Quentin Prison. But Padilla says that he is going to pay him because he believes Sherman Tyne will keep talking and will lead them to more murder victims' bodies so those victims can be reunited united with their families. Reporting live here in Calaveras County, I'm Melinda Meza. So, a bounty <laughs> hunter was going to pay Sherman time for his confession, $18,000 put into his commissary. Now, if someone's paying for a confession, doesn't that make it a little bit unethical and can it be used? Yeah, I mean, this is big business in the US and, you know, we can see. So so we have Padilla, a private investigator. We have Dick, another private investigator. We have the FBI playing here. We've got the sheriffs and uh, and the county police all doing their own but things. But hang on, it was, there's two things going on here, aren't there? Yeah. The FBI did their dig and they were digging in the wrong spot. The sheriff has actually listened and is now digging closer to where Shimantine has said the... Yeah. Bodies are. Yep. That's right. Exactly. So so everyone is, is getting pieces of the puzzle, but because everyone wants to be either the person that solves it or the person who doesn't solve it, they're all sort of fighting over this. And this is why 
FBI was digging. There's nothing in one to place. fight over. The FBI are idiots. They're not digging in the right area. Well, they aren't. They aren't. And the fact that um, a private investigator is going to pay him eighteen thousand dollars—that's nothing because there are rewards of a hundred thousand dollars on all of these uh, missing persons. Ah, so yeah, right. you know, eighteen thousand dollars, and you find two victims, and that private detective then gets you know two hundred and fifty thousand dollars reward. Hello. Gotcha. You know, so this it's it's, it's big business, and the fact that uh, the um, we actually heard in that call just and Shermantine actually says that I will send you all the maps. So he's playing everyone off and he's given everyone a piece, but they're not talking because everyone wants to be the hero in this and really it's about the victims and it's just, just crazy how this goes. It's very rarely about the victims mm-hmm. at the end of the day when it gets into politics like this, isn't it? Absolutely. It should be about the victims, but it really isn't. Now, look, in the last two episodes, we actually spoke about victim Chevy Wheeler. He was the teen who said she was going on a trip with Sherman Tyne. During the excavation of sites named by Sherman Tyne, Chevy's body was located. Here again is KCRA. It's six for you tonight. The parents of one of the victims killed by a pair of serial killers have flown thousands of miles to San Joaquin County to pick up their daughter's remains. KCRA3's Melinda Meza sat down with Chevy Wheeler's mom and dad who say it's time to bring their daughter home. We never thought we'd get her back. Paula Wheeler says she has been waiting more than two decades to bring her daughter home. 16-year-old Chevy Wheeler disappeared in 1985 said goodbye mom i love you the last time i saw her her remains were found just two weeks ago in calaveras county my husband and i just hugged each other and it was a happy day Paula Wheeler says she was at Sherman Tyne's trial beginning in 1999. She says he taunted her family. My parents will know where I'm at when I'm gone, but she'll never know where Chevy is. Paula, her husband, and their family flew 2,500 miles to be reunited after Shermantine started sending maps to bounty hunter Leonard Padilla as to where Chevy was located. Finally. Finally. What do you want to happen now? I'd like him executed or put out on general population and let somebody else take care of him. In Stockton, Melinda Meza, KCRA, three reports. <laughs> Indeed. Um, look, other bones were also found. Here again is KCRA, who's been fully across this story. Now to the search for murder victims of two Central California serial killers. The San Joaquin County Sheriff's Department announcing the identities of two of three victims found in a well in Linden. They are believed to be the victims of Wesley Shermantine and Lauren Herzog. KCRA 3's Melinda Meza live at the Sheriff's Department with details on the investigation and some other wells that are still in question, Melinda. Yes, and we talked to some of the so-called speed freak killer victims' families, and they say that they hope the department will keep searching in other wells and keep digging.
identified as Ms. Joanna Hobson. San Joaquin County Sheriff Steve Moore identified the remains of two victims found in a well in Linden as Joanne Hobson and Kimberly Billy. Both young women were from East Stockton. Efforts are continuing to identify the additional skeletal remains recovered from the Linden well of a possible third person. The department says there is a third victim found in this well not identified yet and there may be more victims out there. What I can tell you is that my investigative staff have been all over the area near the well that we did excavate and there are wells up in that area. There are a number of other wells. Convicted killer Wesley Shermantine says there are other bodies in other wells. Now some families are criticizing the sheriff's department for taking too long to look. And what would you like to say to those families? What I'd like to say to those families is that we have, when we have credible information to work with, we are moving forward. Um, we haven't asked the FBI to bring to get involved. Uh, I believe that they are fully capable of making good determinations as to where to go for in the future based on the information that we provided them and any other information they can develop. As for criticism the department received about using bulldozers to recover the remains. We followed the protocols and the normal process that we have always followed and we have been successful. Now, Sheriff Moore says they will search in other wells, but he has not said when. We also want to let you know we talked to Joanne Hobson's family. They did not want to talk on camera today with this news. We are also hearing from other potential victims' families who say they have already turned in their DNA samples. They have contacted the department, so they're just waiting and hoping. So, Amanda, two victims were identified, but other families, they were still hoping for answers. Yeah, so um, as, as that news report said, Kimberly Billy and Joanna Hobson, both of them disappeared between 1984 and 1985. They've been identified, but when they talk about the third victim found in that same well, it was actually a young teenage woman and her unborn baby. So there was actually two um, two extra skeletal remains found. So uh, there right. is a lot of families that are still waiting, and as they said, they've handed in DNA and everything. This was in 2012, and we haven't heard much since. Well, since 2012, several missing persons cases have been possibly linked to the Shemantine Herzog cases. However, no further charges have been laid. However, there have been cases filed against the San Joaquin Sheriff's Department for their mishandling of the case and evidence that may have supported further charges, with some believing the pair may have been responsible for up to 19 victims and possibly dozens more. Shemantine remains on death row in San Quentin and is currently 54 years of age. Amanda, three parts from something you thought was going to be 15 minutes. Uh, it's been a journey. <laughs> it has been a journey. It's been a tough one and I wish we had more to it. We might have had some more exciting bits and pieces, but, you know, when they edit it, it leaves a lot more questions. I, I still found it fascinating. Mm -hmm. and, and the something that's really coming out recently is the way investigators handle these police confessions. Mm -hmm. So there is a fascinating aspect. We've seen the good, the bad and the ugly with these. I think we've seen people trying here. Um, I think the last detective made big mistakes, mm -hmm. but anyway, it is what it is. Um, and at least they did end up serving some prison time with Sherman Tyne still on death row. Uh, Amanda, next week it's a big episode as we celebrate 100 episodes <laughs> of Monsters Who Murder Serial Killer Confessions. See you next week. See ya.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.